Good morning. Hey, it works. It's good to see everyone here in the sanctuary and the heart of Cherry Street. I, it's uh, my honor to unofficially <laughs> welcome Reverend David Wilson from the Oklahoma Indian Mission Missionary Conference. Um, was that me? <laughs> uh, Kathy will officially introduce in a moment. I have uh, had the opportunity to uh, know Reverend Wilson uh, in the last year or two, maybe more, um, with uh, his work with the Rock the Native Vote. And although he hasn't been to every place, he has shown great leadership with them. He's got great people that work uh, with him and amazing leaders, and they do so much work. Uh, and I have several close friends that he has uh, still mentors uh, to this day, it seems like. <laughs> and uh, that's, it's just been a, a, an honor to be here, that he is here, and I'm excited to hear his sermon. Good morning, St. Paul's. What a joy to be in worship with you today. It is truly an honor to be able to officially introduce David Wilson to you. I'm gonna tell you some wonderful things about him, but the thing that I can tell you from my heart is that David is an amazing friend. He has walked many journeys with me in this thing that we call ministry. He has always been very supportive of my ministry, and David, I just appreciate you so much. Uh, he is currently serving as the assistant to the bishop of the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is comprised of 81 Native American churches in the state of Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. So David, we know you put a lot of miles on your car. Um, he previously served as the conference superintendent for 18 years. This is so exciting to me, he is a candidate for bishop of the South Central Jurisdiction. Friends, that's the jurisdiction that we're in. That <coughs> jurisdictional conference meets in November to elect four bishops. David is endorsed by both the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference and the Oklahoma Annual Conference. And if elected, no, when elected as bishop, he will be the first Native American bishop that our de denomination has had. So David, we appreciate you having the courage to uh, let them submit your name for that. So, yeah. He serves on the General Board of Global Missionaries, the Mission Board for the United Methodist Church. He is currently working with the denomination, as <clears throat> Jason said, on a task force to research the denomination's role in Native American boarding schools, the board-operated schools in the past, along with the former women's division of the denomination. Uh, he is a graduate of Oklahoma City University with a bachelor's in mass communication, and he received his Master's of Divinity right here from Phillips. He received an honorary doctorate degree from the prestigious and historic Bacone College. He's a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, and this is what Jason was talking about. He currently serves as the director of Rock the Native Vote. So David, we are looking forward to the word that God has put on your heart for the people of St. Paul's, and we wanna thank you for the service that you do. So let us go to God in prayer. Oh dear gracious and loving God, we do give you thanks for this day. God, we give you thanks that you called us to this place, whether here in the sanctuary or in this place through the gift of technology, you've called us here. 
God, we know that we don't have to ask you to be present because wherever we are, you are there just waiting, just yearning for us to turn to you. So instead, gracious God, we ask that you help us prepare ourselves for this time. Help us to remove the distractions. Help us to remove the fleeting thoughts. Let us be present to you so that during this time, we can experience the risen Christ through music, through word, through the smiles on one another's face, and that we can leave this place today transformed. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, race, income, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Oh, gracious and loving God, we come to you this morning with so many mixed emotions. We know there is so much for which to give you thanks, yet sometimes we are overwhelmed with the sorrow and the heartache of this world. We ask that you open our spirits to your gentle nudgings to see the magnitude and beauty of your creation in your world. Open our hearts to feel the love and compassion that you so often make visible through a friend or a stranger. When we find ourselves in those moments when the world seems filled with hatred and division, Open our eyes to see the amazing ways in which you are working through your people to bring kindness and compassion into this world. Remind us to say thank you and open our hearts to allow you to work in and through us to make your love visible to others. Lord, in your mercy. And gracious God, for those who cannot or will not recognize the gifts in their lives, we ask that you open their eyes to your presence so that they may know your steadfast, unconditional love. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy and love, you have opened our eyes to see the troubles of this world, the anxiety that is present as people struggle with conflict and injustice. We see the burdens that many carry during these stressful times. This morning, we pray for businesses who are struggling for workers uncertain about their job prospects and for families weighed down by rising costs. We pray for those who cannot, <coughs> cannot find affordable housing and for those who do not have access to the health care they need. We pray for those struggling with chronic hunger, those with difficult diagnosis, painful illnesses and delays in medical treatment. Open their eyes to new possibilities and God, we ask that you open our eyes and our hearts to ways that we can support them. We pray for those in the helping professions, our teachers, our healthcare workers, our social workers and mental health professionals, our police officers and firefighters and first responders, those who are tired and have been stretched beyond their limits. Renew their strength for the purpose for which you have called them and help each of us to be pillars of support for them. Lord, in your mercy. God, for those that we know are in need of your love and care, we pause for a moment with united hearts and we lift them up to you in our silent prayers. Lord, in your mercy. 
Gracious God, you have called each of us by name. You have searched for us when we have wandered. You have showered us with love when we have felt unlovable. You have comforted us when we have been inconsolable. And you have forgiven us for those times when we have caused pain to others, to ourselves, and to this world. Hear us now as we lay our burdens at your feet. Lord, in your mercy. And gracious, wonderful God, you called this church, this community of faith that we know as St. Paul's United Methodist Church, you called us into being well over 100 years ago. We give you thanks for those that heard your call and established this church in this very space. We give you thanks for their faithfulness that ensured its future. Guide us now as we continue to be the beacon of light that you have called us to be. Let us see the bold vision that you have for us and strengthen us with the power of your spirit so that we are able to be your representative in our community. Gracious God, you have called many within our church to help lead, to help lead us in the various ministries and tasks that you have set before us. You have reminded us that the church is not the building, the church is not the pastor, the church is the people led by you. Renew our commitment, energize us, give us courage and boldness when we get weary and discouraged, which we will. But let us see your spark of encouragement in those around us. Let us lean on others when we need to and let us be pillars of support to one another as well. Remind us, God, that when you lead us, we bring forth your kingdom to the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in your mercy. And God of compassion, we continue to hold in prayer those who are overlooked, those whom no one holds in prayer, those whose names aren't lifted each night by someone that loves them dearly. We lift them to you now with the confidence of knowing that you know them completely. May they feel your undeniable love and unwavering presence in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. God of all creation, open our eyes that we might see creative solutions for situations which break our heart and break yours. And so we pray that your kingdom will come among us in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear the reading from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear, fear God, or care what people think. 
Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that eventually, so she won't eventually come back and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjudge, unjust judge said. And will not God bring about justice for his own chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of these words. I want to say thank you again to Reverend Brown for inviting me to come and be with you here at St. Paul United Methodist Church. I've known Kathy for several years. She was a student of mine at St. Paul School of Theology and an immersion course and prayed for her several times at New Life in Moore, Oklahoma. And Kathy and I have been friends and she um, helped me during one of the most difficult times in my life after uh, the last elections. And I appreciate her and her passion for ministry and uh, for this church. And thank you for having me here today. So in preparation, Kathy talked about my uh, journey to be a candidate for the Episcopacy, to be a bishop. And I corrected myself, uh, said four bishops, maybe three. Kathy, we're still deciding that. But offering myself as a candidate to become bishop in this United Methodist Church, there's been so much to do for this event. Uh, many don't know that we've been on this journey since 2019. Before COVID hit, we gathered in, at St. Luke's United Methodist in Oklahoma City. All of his candidates, about seven or eight, and we, we had, I tell people, we had about nine job interviews. Nine conferences to interview us, ask you all kinds of questions. Uh, some are relevant, some are not relevant in these conversations. And so, of course, COVID came and the process was put off a while. And this summer, when the Judicial Council announced that the elections could go on, we began doing Zoom, Zoom interviews. I'm so thankful that I finished. I think, I'm hoping, at least my last two interviews uh, yesterday uh, morning uh, for this process uh, for that. And, and so even in pre preparation for that, you have a 20, 25, 30-page document you have to complete, all kinds of questions they ask you about ministry and the life. And this is the one that I uh, really enjoyed and appreciated. And the question was, John Wesley is often quoted as having said, in essentials, unity and non-essentials, diversity, in all things, charity. What constitutes the essentials for you? That was an easy one for me, uh, for that. There's several that do, but if there's any passage that I hold most closely, it would be from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God? Micah reminds us uh, to be centered on our relationship with God and pull, pulls out the most important things for us to be in relationship with God, uh, to do what's right, simply to be kind. And in my ministry, I've, I've strived to do this over and over, to speak out for justice, and not just to speak out for justice, but to live it for all people, for that. Uh, so I thought this would be a fitting passage. It's been in my heart and mind for the whole week as I've been a part of these interviews, and an opportunity to think about what that question means for us. What is it that Creator God is requiring of us uh, for this world. There's a debate where John, you know, this quote is attributed to John Wesley, but some say it goes back to the early church fathers. And I was surprised, uh, Twyla, that even in my research, even the Wesley Covenant Association, which are the churches that's breaking off from our denomination, talks about this uh, piece in their, in their uh, information, what it means to them. 
I recall being a young student at Oklahoma City University, the late Dr. Robert Jones was a religion professor there. Uh, in my first semester there at, uh, on the campus, and we were studying the scriptures, the prophets. It was a class on the prophets, and Dr. Jones, that was one of his specialties. So we were talking about Amos and Isaiah and more, and with great character and emotion, he read the words of Amos. He, called, he told us, he said, be still and be quiet and listen to these words. And he shared these words of the prophet blasting the people of God because they had not done right. They were mistreating the poor. And the people have much, and yet they're not willing to give and share and help others. And I still remember this some um, 30 years ago. Let's stop and think about that. 30 years ago, being in the classroom for Dr. Jones when he shared these words from, uh, from the prophet Amos. This is what the, here's, here are the words from the prophet Amos. This is what the Almighty Lord showed me, a basket of ripe summer fruit. And he said, what do you see, Amos? And Amos answered, I see a basket of ripe summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, my people of Israel are now ripe. I will no longer overlook what they have done. On that day, the songs of the temple will become loud cries, declares God. There will be dead bodies scattered everywhere. Hush, listen to this. Those who trample on the needy and ruin those who are oppressed in the world. You say to yourselves, when will this new, new moon festival be over so that we can sell more grain? When will this day of rest, the holy day, be over so that we can sell more wheat? We can shrink the size of the bushel baskets, increase the cost, and then we can cheat with dishonest scales. Who can buy the poor with money and the needy for a pair of sandals? Who can sell the husk mixed in with the, heat, with the wheat? The Lord has sworn an oath by Jacob's pride. I will never forget anything that they have done. What powerful words, striking words from the prophet Amos that calls into accountability how we treat one another. In this case, how we treat the poor. How we treat people that we consider less than ourselves. Throughout my lives, I, I, I share that justice has always been one that's followed me perhaps as an indigenous person, seeing how our peoples have been treated throughout our lifetimes, and even currently in the state of Oklahoma, a lack of justice for that. And I tell people that I, I don't seek out justice. It seems to find me wherever I go and whatever I happen to do, and often I cannot ignore it. One of our more recent uh, pieces about justice is to help educate folk about the history of our boarding schools in this country and indigenous persons. You might recall a couple years ago, or at least a year and a half, more than 600 unmarked graves were found at a site of a former residential school for indigenous children. More were found later, perhaps thousands, and some have been found in this country. And as a result of that, Deb Holland, our Secretary of the Interior and a member of the Laguna Pueblo tribe, called for a report of boarding schools in this country that was recently completed. So the findings found in this 106-page report that between 1819 and 1969, the federal government and churches operated or supported more than 408 boarding schools in 37 states or former territories. And the report expects thousands of more to be discovered in this country alone. Secretary Holland came to Riverside Indian School in Anadarko to hear the painful stories of those who were raised in the boarding schools. And, she, and folk asked if I was going to go, and I said, I can't, can't bear to hear these awful, horrible stories again. But on the news, people would talk about, in tears, about what the boarding schools had done to them, taking away language, 
uh, about the punishment they received uh, just for being indigenous. They talked about the lingering results that are still a part of their lives today. Many resulted in alcoholism, substance abuse, physical abuse, and much more. And some, some of the people just said, I never knew how to be a good parent because of what the school did to me. Another is working with the murdered missing indigenous women and peoples around the state. We found that when people of color go missing, nobody bothers to go look for them but our own people. These chapters are about 16 men and women spend their own resources physically to go search for uh, men and women who come up missing. All over the state of Oklahoma, if you look at my social media page, you'll see two or three a day, not just here, but around the country, across Indian country. But you'll also note that when a, another person, a different race, Anglo person goes missing, everybody goes to look and search. But for our own people, no police, no branches, but people, the women, the women primarily take it upon themselves to spend the money to go and find these indigenous women and men who go missing. So what is our role in these injustices? Many will say, what does this have to do with me? I had nothing to do with this. This is the past. This is another group of people. Look at the history of boarding schools. I wasn't even around, so why should I bother? The question was posed of others and uh, my longtime friend Craig Stinson in the video. When we were talking about repentance, Craig, said, uh, Craig answered that question. He said, why should I do this? People asked me. I wasn't there. Even if I wasn't there, it didn't bother me. But then he said, I looked at this in my relationship with Jesus and said, if I could stand with Jesus and experience what was going on with him in some way, then I understand how that affects me. He said, all of the past is a part of my life. Something that is broken, something that is broken is going to be made well inside of me and inside my community of faith. Craig reminded us we're responsible to help our sisters and brothers around the world as we deal with these issues. And finally, he says, the church, the church will have to say, I am sorry, but it's more than just saying, I am sorry. He said, then we have to begin, we have to behave in a way to say that this is new and we're going to do something about it. And then that will be our sign of repentance when we begin to change our ways and behave in a way that is something new. My sisters and brothers, I know for all of us, we, we, there is much in our lives that we need to do to change our ways and to behave in a way that's new for us, for the church, for the community, for the whole world to see what we are about, to see that we're for real, and that we recognize the harm that's been done to others, not just indigenous peoples. We recognize people who've been neglected and left out. Indigenous people can tell you that every single day of what we experience. There is something that is broken in all of us that needs to be made well, and it takes us all to make that right. The prophet Micah reminds us uh, that creator God requires us to love kindness. I, I almost didn't include this piece because this, this is an easy one. This is a no-brainer to love kindness. And I was sharing with my friend this morning, I said, when I was preparing this passage for St. Paul, I said, this church already does all these straight things, so I'm preaching to the choir. But I still had to do it. I still had to do it to share that story for that. Micah, Micah is also talking about being kind, loving people who are neglected and forgotten. And for his time, it was the orphans, the widows, and the poor. They were basically defenseless. It's easy for us to love people around us that we see every single day to be a part of the church and parts of the community. 
but we sometimes have to be reminded of the need to show love and kindness among the least of these. We see great hospitality here at St. Paul this morning, and I share people often. I joined a running club a while back, and uh, I found out this running club is much like some of our churches. You show up, and nobody speaks to you. They all turn away, and they go to the clusters and still speak to each other. And I told a friend of mine, one or two people who speak to me, I said, this is just like the church, some of the churches I get to. Nobody visits with each other. We go and do our own things. And even still today, that's still the case, but I still go. I still go because it's a passion. Same way for us, we still go to the church because this is what we love and this is our passion. Several years ago, I worked at the ministry in North Oklahoma City that was housed in Edmond, the former Leland Clegg United Methodist Church. Many of you will be familiar with Leland Clegg. Uh, we started at that church perhaps 20 years ago, later moved to Mosaic in Oklahoma City after the church was merged. And so we would do services every third Wednesday, primarily for people who did not belong to any church in the area uh, there. One of our members taught yoga uh, for a home for young girls who were in foster care. The girls ranged in ages 14 and up. Several were Native American, and our yoga instructor told us, we invited them to come and join us for worship. So they would come, the workers would come with them, and they enjoyed it so much. Uh, they enjoyed it because our older members were the surrogate parents for these foster kids, uh, mothers, uh, grandmothers, and they loved them. And, and even the older folk would be disappointed they found out that these girls weren't coming. They almost wanted to go home after they found out the girls weren't coming, but we got them to stay. But they would visit with them that night. They would eat with them, sit with them to hear their stories, and mostly just care for them and love them. Uh, the director would say, David, these girls have done nothing wrong. They simply have parents who cannot be parents now and care for them. They were a part of our lives for five to six years before that home closed. We would do all sorts of things. We went to graduations and birthdays at the homes and everything. But the most powerful part was during our service, as you do here, we would stop for time for prayers uh, amongst our people. And the request from those girls was always so moving. The request, request ranged from asking for prayers for parents who are incarcerated, who are about to come home. Uh, prayers for the health. And mostly prayers for a family that would take them in, that would adopt them. And, 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 and after we finished, we would say, man, that made our, their request made our request look like nothing compared to the needs of those girls. And one night we were done with the service, and in the back of the pews, we had envelopes that people could put offering in. And most of these girls knew nothing about the church. What they learned, they learned from us. We never took up offering there. It was a service. And so one of the girls came up, two of the girls came up and had an envelope. And it was heavy, had all the change in it. And we shook hands, greeted people at the end. I put it in my suit, uh, suit coat. And the next time I wore it, a couple of weeks later, I felt this heavy uh, package in there. And so I looked it up and one was full of change, about $1.60. And on the back of that piece, she had written the word. She says, here's my offering for the church. This is all I have. Thank you for accepting me as I am. Thank you for accepting me as I am. I know I stood there for a few moments reading that envelope. So moved by her act of devotion, not from the $1.60 that she put in, although that was all she had, which is another sermon in itself. But wondering why she had to write those words, thank you for accepting me as I am. Thankful for our congregation who loved her, cared for them all the time that they were there. But wondering why she had to write that. What experience that she'd gone through where people did not love her. Going places where 
she did not feel accepted. I thought about that, but mostly I was thankful for God that God brought this group of girls to our place who needed love, who needed kindness, who just needed to be accepted. And I think about them often, wondering if they ever found homes, uh, if their mothers by now or working what they get to do, and mostly they find people who would love them as they are. I think about the need for us to be kind, uh, to show a love for other people, to under, help folk understand what this world is all about, as Micah requires. Our last piece, perhaps the most challenging for some, Micah reminds us to walk humbly, walk humbly with God. Uh, some time ago I was visiting with uh, a person I just met, and sometimes you strike up conversations, and we were talking about our travels, a young man, uh, and he said, uh, we were talking about driving to Topeka, Kansas. Uh, from Oklahoma City, it's a good haul. From here, it's a good haul. But if you travel along the interstate, there's one piece that's an overlook uh, there in Topeka, Kansas. It's in the middle of nowhere between Topeka and uh, actually Wichita and Topeka there. And it's a quiet spot. You can see stars for miles and miles and miles. And he's a young man. He said, David, I was driving late one night, and I pulled over at the overlook. And I, I stopped, and I laid down the back of my truck, and I stared at the stars, and I said, man, how small am I? How small am I in this order of God's world? He told me. This was a person who's a non-religious person. And I thought about Zach's comments about what that means when we think about our lives and our presence and what it is that God calls us to do for the church, for us to understand how small am I, how small I am in God's world, and yet we're called to make a difference in our daily lives. One of our great values for indigenous peoples is the understanding of community. Uh, indigenous people understand that when we make decisions in our lives, they don't just affect one person, but they are made knowing they affect the entire community. And we understand the community as our whole world. And we care for all people as our culture dictates. And many of you remember during uh, 2019 and 20, as we began the vaccinations for COVID, uh, they were hard to come by. And the tribes all got the allotment for, COVID, for the vaccinations. So once our people were vaccinated, the tribes began to make them available for everyone. We set up at the Mosaic United Methodist Church. I see some folk in the back who are part of Mosaic. And we sat there and um, we partnered with the Shiner Arapaho tribe to give people vaccinations. Didn't care who they were. Everybody came. Everybody came. And I remember one particular day we were there, we were trying our best to reach out to the Hispanic Latino community. And a woman came. She must have been in her late 80s uh, 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 there and with her kids and grandkids. They brought her in. And the government is always so strict in what we need. And I saw the workers sit there and talking with the family and eventually taking her back for her vaccinations for that. And I reminded so many of my friends who will say, David, had it not been for the tribes, we would not have received our vaccinations. And thank you for doing that. Our, our tribes understand that. We do so much because we know this world is not just about us. It's about all of God's uh, people, of God, all of God's humanity. So think about how that makes us humble, the humility we understand that this world is not just about us, but it's about all people in this world. You have this beautiful image on the front of your bulletin that I sent, and I appreciate Kathy putting it on there. When I had traveled to Standing Rock back in 2016, working with uh, uh, helping the people with uh, pipeline struggles, fighting the government pipelines, big oil, uh, there, Orville Lickenhorse was there. He is the 19th generation keeper of the sacred white buffalo calf pipe bundle. He is one of the uh, spiritual leaders for the Lakota people 
there on the standing, uh, standing rock, actually Lakota, 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 he's all their spiritual leaders. And he shared these words with the people there uh, in, 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 in an address. And I think the words that are right to us, for us today as we think about what it means to be people of God for the world. When this reminds us of our humility, or what it is that God calls us to do. And he said, each of us is put here in this time and this place to personally decide the future of humankind. Do you think the Creator would create unnecessary people in a time of such terrible danger? Know that you yourself are essential, he writes, he said. Understand both the blessing and the burden of that. That you yourself are so desperately needed to save the soul of the world. Did you think you were put here for something else? In the sacred hoop of life, there is no beginning, no ending. That's our belief in Native people. You alone and only you can make this crucial choice to walk in honor or in dishonor of your relatives, and on your decision depends the fate of the entire world. Think about that in our humility, about what God calls us to do. On your decision depends the fate of the entire world. Grateful and thankful for all joining us together to walk in honor of all our relations. Shall we pray? Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to share words, how grateful I am for the people you placed in, our, in my past, all of our past, the wisdom that people teach, uh, the kindness that people have shown throughout our lifetime, the humility that we see in so many, the reminder for us of how small we are, but yet how powerful we are in your witness. I thank you for uh, these words, the words of the prophet Micah that we need to live and share with one another all the days of our lives. We pray for blessings upon our day today upon all the uh, folk who are here today, Lord, upon the work that you give us to do, the work that you call us to do, the reminder of how crucial we are uh, in, in the plot of uh, your story. Guide us and keep us in all we do. In his name we pray. Amen. I ask David to send us off with a blessing. I'm going to ask you all to be seated for just a moment. And Connie, I'd like to invite you down. In just a couple of weeks... David will be going to Houston for the election. Um, I was there in Wichita when he was nominated to be a bishop and he did not, um, was not elected at that time. I know the disappointment, we all felt it. Um, but you were brave enough to continue to hear God's call. So Connie and I would like to send you off with a blessing. Will you go with us to God in prayer? Oh, dear gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for the way that you have just continued to work in David's life, the way that you have called him into ministry and been with him through the difficult times and through the glorious times. God, you have filled him with your spirit. We ask that you be with him as he travels to Houston. Be with all of our delegates that will be casting the votes and let them be able to see the spirit that David has in his heart for leading, the spirit that he has for helping us to be the denomination that you have called us to be. God, we ask that David is able to not only feel your presence, but that he is able to feel the love and the prayers and the support of all of those who are holding him in prayer during this time. God, he is indeed your faithful servant. We give you thanks. Be with him. Amen. Amen. Thank, Amen. You. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. So, you. you send us off with a blessing, please. Sure, and you didn't even need my help with the Choctaw and Cherokee. You did great for that. Thank you for that. Impressive. 
Impressive. Uh, maybe, maybe go out into the world remembering the words of Arvo Lickenhorst. Understand the fate of the world that depends on us. The gifts that God offers us, maybe take those and use those. Amen.